Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. (laughs) Show Cooking, Cannibal Edition. Written by Kev Harrison. Narrated by Josh Curran. What exactly would you have done in my position? She'd been explicitly clear. I remember her words exactly. Take your eyes off my little display for even a second, you little shit, and you'll be next. This was not what I'd expected when I'd offered to help the lady with her shopping hours earlier. Mum and Dad always said I should respect my elders, help them if they're in need. That's what I'd done. But since that day, I've never fancied shepherd's pie. Can I help you with them bags, madam? I asked in my politest voice when I saw her stagger, pack-horse-like down a disabled ramp outside Asda. Oh, how her eyes lit up. Such a polite young man, she said. This made me beam. Being called young man rather than boy at eleven is a feat. She handed me a bag, the biggest one, stuffed to bursting with butter, spuds, veggies, I won't lie, it was bloody heavy, pardon my French. But I'd offered. I was doing a good deed. Would tell Dad about it. He might buy me an ice cream. Where to then, madam? I asked as we waddled along the pavement that swept out from the car park and over the brook towards the park. It's through the park, my dear, a little cottage. Maybe you've seen it when you've been playing with your friends. 
I shook my head. Dunno, madam. Sorry. We strolled, not a care in the world. It was the second week of my summer holiday. Life was good. We entered the park and passed the kids' playground where my friends and I dared each other to do loop-the-loops on the swings. Daryl always said he'd done one when he was there by himself, but we all called bullshit. We followed the long path into the trees, where some of the sunlight was blocked out, cooling the air. May I ask your name, young man? The old lady asked cheerfully. I'm Tom, madam. Can I ask yours? Rosina, pleased to meet you. She nodded, her hands busy with her bags. I nodded back. That foreign, madam? I asked. If you don't mind me asking, that is. I felt my cheeks flush. Was that impolite? The old lady chuckled, much to my relief. It is. How perceptive of you. It's German. My parents were German. But they're gone now. Sorry, Rosina. I patted her arm in what must have seemed like a very patronising gesture. We walked on for a bit in silence. Here we are then, she said finally. In front of us was a cabin or hut. It certainly didn't look like anything I'd have called a home. Not in the mid-1990s, England. Moss-covered wood made up the whole structure. A single-storey bungalow, little more than a lean-to with a heavy door in the main facade. But she was old. Maybe she'd been there a long time. I tried not to show the surprise on my face. Where shall I leave the bags, madam? Inside? In the kitchen? She nodded and thanked me as her bony fingers fidgeted with keys, undoing two deadlocks before finding the smaller, brass-coloured key to the main catch. She pushed the door, and it gave way with a sigh. I entered and was met with the smell of bread, with just a pinch of sugar to make the dough irresistible. My stomach rumbled. Embarrassed, I pressed my belly. Not had lunch yet, Tom. Do you fancy one of my currant buns? As I walked into the kitchen, I almost dropped the shopping bag. Six freshly baked currant buns sat on a cooling rack on the table, fat and ever so slightly browned on the top, with fluffy white dough underneath, and dotted with plump, juicy raisins. I licked my lips. Well, Mum says I shouldn't. My resistance was weak, and the old lady placed a lukewarm roll onto them. I ripped a piece from one side with my fingers and popped it into my mouth. I chewed. Flavours of cinnamon and raisin danced on my palate. I followed Rosina's direction to sit at the kitchen table. I ate and watched her put away the things, first from the bag she'd carried, then from the one I'd brought. Her kitchen, despite all suggestions to the contrary from outside, was magnificent. Homemade jams filled the cupboards to bursting, and huge balls of cheese and cuts of cured meat littered every shelf of the fridge. But I couldn't stay long. I told my mum I'd be back by two. It had to be half one already. I stuffed the last chunk of bun into my mouth and chewed vigorously. Thanks so much, Rosina, but I have to be off. Thank you, young Tom. You're a strong fellow, and I'm quite sure I'd have struggled home without you. 
She took her small framed glasses from the bridge of her nose and cleaned them on a cloth. Oh, madam, there's one thing. Can I use your loo? Beg your pardon. She smiled that warm smile again. Of course you can. Out of the kitchen, down the hall, and it's the first on your left near the back door. She whistled as I walked away. I heard the clanging of pans and shopping being stuffed away as I peed. Then, I heard a crash. I shook the drips and did up my shorts, washing my hands before I left the cupboard-like toilet. Is everything all... The question died on my lips. Rosina stood at the kitchen table, holding a butcher's cleaver. At her right, a man sat on a chair, similar to the one I'd been sitting on. Hello, I said, and gave a feeble little wave. The man grunted. A rag was bundled into his mouth. I stood on my tiptoes to see that his arms were tied around his waist. Rosina, who's this man? Would you do one more thing for me while you're here, seeing as you're such a good lad, Tom? I thought about it. This probably wasn't going to be something good, judging from the situation. What do you want me to do, madam? Only to watch. Okay, but, uh, uh, what am I watching? This man has been making trouble. Now, I'm going to cut him into tiny pieces. Then, I'm going to mince him and make him into a shepherd's pie. Mum says it's only shepherd's pie if you use lamb. This might not have been the appropriate thing to say. Fortunately, it caused her only to laugh. This man, far from laughing, was quite red in the face, sweat beading on his forehead. My hands dug into my pockets, so she couldn't see me bawling and unballing my fists. Is this a game, Rosina? I asked, lolling myself forward on my tiptoes to get another look at the rope. It looked awfully tight. It is a game. It is a game, Tom. That's exactly what it is. The game is this. You watch me slice and dice this gentleman, and I'll let you walk free. But take your eyes off my display for even a second, you little shit, and you will be next. I was a bit startled. First, because what she had suggested was crazy. And secondly, she'd called me a little shit when I'd been extremely helpful. I don't think I want to play this game, to be honest. I think I'm just going to go. I walked to the front door and tried the catch. The door didn't budge. I turned my head. Rosina, you put the deadlocks on. Her angular, withered face crept around the kitchen doorframe until her eyes were locked, laser-like, onto mine. Yes. Yes, I did. She crept closer to me revealing just how enormous the blade was. The edge shone, sharp enough to go straight through an arm, I reckon. Or a leg. Probably even a neck. Come to the kitchen and sit down. The spaces between the words gave each one its own weight and significance. I wanted to go to the toilet again. I squeezed. What could I do? I nodded and walked towards her. 
looking at the floor, which I suddenly noticed was filthy with mud and cobwebs. I walked solemnly into the kitchen and slumped into the chair I'd sat in previously. She went back to the man who began to rock violently. His grunting was feverish, the pitch higher than previously. Rosina snatched a clump of his hair and tugged back his head. She measured the middle of his neck with the blade and raised it above her head. Wait! She stopped, glaring at me. Can you move those buns? I'm going to be sick if I have to watch this while I can smell them, right under my nose. She placed the knife on the countertop behind her, picked up the tray of buns and put them in the cupboard. Okay. I gave her a thumbs up. She grabbed the man's hair and the blade once again, measuring the spot. She lifted the blade and must have noticed me scrunch my eyes. Holding the cleaver aloft, she hissed, Two eyes open. Bile rose at the back of my throat, but I had to do as she said. I opened my eyes, straining my eyelids so they were open to an exaggerated point. The blade came down so fast it was blurred. The old woman possessing strength I'd never imagined. His head rolled off his shoulders as if he'd been no more than a mannequin, blood spraying up, soaking Rosina's arm. She didn't seem to notice. If anything, the sight spurred her on. The blade flashed up and down again, hacking at the man's neck and chest. His clothes shredded as if made of paper. Soon, one of his arms was in four pieces. Blood drenched one side of the table and oozed onto the filthy floor. Every fibre of my being wanted to stop watching, but Rosina's eyes darted to mine every few seconds. The threat of my own butchery hanging over me like Damocles' sword. I watched as she finished her work with the colossal knife, dividing the man into seventeen relatively even pieces. The head itself, in three parts, was barely recognisable after she scooped out the brains with an ornate-handled serving spoon. She gathered the intestines, reeking and steaming like out-of-date sausages, and dropped them into a waiting bucket. Then, she set about the peeling process. Fragments of the man's clothing came off in layers, revealing skin or bare flesh where the skin had been pulled off in random directions as cubes were divided from the hole. Once she finished chopping, she dropped each meaty chunk into the ceramic basin. She ran cold water, using her bare hands to rub away filth from the pieces that had fallen to the ground, only rinsing the others. She dried her hands and took down an enormous chopping board and mincing machine from a high shelf. She positioned the mincer at one end of the chopping board and fed the first block of man into the trough at the top. Then she began to grind. Occasionally, pieces of bone were too dense to go through the mincer's jaws and she thrust her hand into the meat to rip it out. It looked like tiring work. I wasn't going to offer to help, though. She looked up at me a couple of times, flashing that same smile, which I was now unable to return. With the mincing done, she stood over the cooker, 
heating up a huge pan into which she tossed chopped onions, celery, carrots and garlic cloves and stirred. Normally it would have smelled wonderful, but the last thing in the world I felt was hunger. She fed in the meat, bit by worm-like bit, until the entire man was in the great pot. She stirred it, sniffed it, tasted it. She added this and that, seasoning here, tomato paste there. Finally, she tipped the contents into an enormous roasting dish. She slathered on a thick layer of mashed potatoes from a casserole behind her, smoothing it over with a spatula. What do you think? She said as she fired up the oven. I sat in silence. What was I supposed to say? Blood still oozed down the wall behind her. Looks, um, looks good. Can I go, please? Yes, dear. You did very well. Kept your side of the bargain. Don't tell anyone about any of this, or I will find you. You understand me? A grit appeared in her voice that had been absent hours earlier. I shook my head vigorously. I wouldn't say a word. I just wanted out. I do have one question, if you don't mind. She nodded. Who was that man? Estate agent, Rosina said, unflinching. Dad says they're all bastards. All bastards, she nodded in confirmation. She lifted her apron over her head and walked me to the door. She unlocked all the deadlocks and swung the door back, motioning for me to leave. I moved to shake her hand, but remembered the sight of blood soaked up to her elbows and beyond. Thanks for the bun, madam. See ya. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Show Cooking, Cannibal Edition, written by Kev Harrison, narrated by Josh Curran, edited by Carl Hughes, and music by Hyde and Tom Robson. This story was a guest submission, so a big thank you to Kev Harrison for sharing his dark mind with us. For more of Kev's work, head over to www.facebook.com forward slash Kev Harrison Fiction. If you've got a story in you and you'd like to give it a go, head over to www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash submissions and check out the details there. The next three themes are ancient Egypt, dinosaurs and Japan. Until next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.